0: What's up, everyone? This is Fernando Delgado. This is the Dudes Abide podcast, and this week I have a couple of new dudes with me, uh, Nick and Tom. Um, they're, uh, it's going to be their first episode with the Dudes Abide. And uh, Nick and Tom, if you guys could introduce yourselves to everyone. What's up, dudes? My name's Nick. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Tommy. <laughs> so yeah, Nick What's and like Tom, that? if you could tell everybody a little bit about yourselves, um, you know why you're interested in coming on the podcast, and you know what you do.
1: Yeah. Well, aside from just being fellow dude. Uh, I think that it's 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 cool to just like talk about stuff that you're into with other guys that you know are you know have similar interests and stuff and uh, just you know just kind of talking and, and bullshitting around about stuff that you really enjoy to do I think it was a cool idea I, I also think it's a cool atmosphere like this whole this whole like radio show podcast thing I've never really done it before like, really cool idea you you asked me a couple times to do it I, I've always kind of wanted to check it out so just this type of uh, just this type of thing to do is just really, really interesting. I've never done
0: anything like this, so pretty fun. Cool, yeah. So, Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey,
2: guys. My name is Tommy Pedersani. So, I'm coming out to you from uh, – I'm actually from Coventry, Rhode Island. So, I'm a little ways away, maybe about seven-hour drive. Uh, I pretty much know you guys just from mutual friends, you know. I actually am a regional manager and marketing sales manager out here, just here for work, but pretty much getting involved in the city, checking out what's going on in Baltimore. Never been out here. I'm pretty excited. Cool, awesome. So uh, this week we have uh, a
0: segment that's going to be focused on music. We've talked about music a couple times um, on the podcast so far, but uh, Nick is in Educated Fools, um, so he's a musician. Uh, you know, has a pretty extensive background in music for his age. Um, but uh, but yeah, Nick, if you could talk a little bit about the band and. Um, you know, just to, you know, this is still the first part um, like we haven't gotten into the official music segment yet, but if you could just let everybody know, like what you do for the band and, um, you know, a little bit about the band itself.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I sing, I write, I, um, I play guitar too, but not really, not really for the band. I play some guitar parts, but for the most part, I just write like lyrics, melodies, songs, uh, with Logan, the guitar player. Uh, just, just generally during the creative process, I think, um, just putting some certain certain arrangements together, um, and just writing, just general writing stuff. Uh, so, But my background in music is just very versatile. I mean, I've been, I've been doing music since I was like 10, just singing, playing drums. I've been playing drums since I was like 12. Started out actually on, on a drum kit. I didn't even sing really. I sung like in the shower, you know, never really took it seriously. But uh, I found out that I had a voice at some point when I started really getting into it. Um, Usher, My Way, was, like, the first album I ever bought when I was, like, 10 years old. And me and my friends, like, we were all wearing matching Tommy Hilfiger shirts for the talent show. And we did You Make Me Wanna, like, a choreographed, like, dance routine. Like, that was my, like, that was my first time on stage, uh, for a fifth grade talent show. And it was just super fun. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, just so many different, so many different amazing artists. And, like, going through... I, I'm glad that I grew up in the generation that I grew up in because I came up in like the '90s when you know we had just such brilliant work coming out constantly and just such just just such different types of music coming out that uh, that I, I know like like I, don't know, I have to call, call millennials millennials but like kids that are growing up now that like haven't really ex- like lived through that they listen to it and they like think it's classic rock when they hear a uh, third eye blind song or something, you know, like, but like, you know, coming up in that world is like, it's crazy. And so you're kind of, I'm kind of spoiled in that way, like coming into a generation of music that was like so amazing. And, uh, and in high school, obviously with like all the bands and stuff that I would listen to constantly, like, um, but yeah, I mean, really just started playing music when I was like 18. I, I, uh, was in a band. I wasn't playing guitar, moved to Baltimore from Detroit. Cause I, you know, I grew up in Michigan, by the way. So from, from Detroit, Michigan. And, uh, Moved here. My family moved here. Uh, Economy in Detroit was pretty rough at some point. Like, it was just very hard to sustain um, with the auto industry. And and my dad was, like, a technician, and he was – he started his own collision shop, and uh, just the the economy got really bad. And so – we just decided to move out here. My whole family lived out here in Maryland. A lot, of, a lot of my family, I have a big family, so I have a lot of family everywhere, but a lot of family here. Decided to make the, make the leap here, and glad we did. It, it took a little while to adjust, but uh, my cousin Devin, who's in our band, is the drummer. Um, just, just him and my cousin Alex, his brother, um, just kind of brought me into their circle. I eventually started meeting people, went to school, uh, in college, made a lot of friends, started working at the Sheridan Hotel, uh that's where i went met matt my old bass player my first band that we started um not my first band that i was in but the first band i started out here the first band i was ever in was called blood fart and i was like 16 i was the drummer so yeah it was just the content uh was just outrageous um just super irresponsible but uh yeah and then so me and matt we worked room service together he was like dude you like sublime oh i like sublime too like that's my favorite band okay perfect let's start playing music together and we started playing music together. And he lives in uh, Middle River, like right on the water. His house is like just cool. It's like nestled back in this really quiet neighborhood. And like we would kayak and stuff on the water. Like just have crabs, drink beer, like smoke, uh, you know, a little bit. Yeah. I'm not a huge smoker. Our whole band they smoke tons of weed. I <laughs> I, I probably the least. Uh, I smoke the least amount of weed in our band. But you know, I still enjoy it from from time to time. But yeah, so it was just a cool cool atmosphere. Um, and like. That's when I really started to write um, and sing reggae, rock, alternative stuff. And so, you know, as a musician, as somebody that likes to write music, I think it's important to find uh, an identity within music. As many, as many uh, influences, that you, uh, you know, there's a lot of influences that you might have, but to find a lane and to really go in that direction, I think is important as a musician. It's not just about, you know, playing, playing you know, uh, this type of song or, or trying to fit this type of genre um, it's, it's about really picking a sound that you want to go, go with. And it's, you know, so if you can do that, then you can really do that. So that's what we were doing. Okay. We're going to, we're going to do this traditional formula, reggae rock. You know, we're going to have a chorus. We're going to have, uh, three verses and a bridge and, and Matt's an amazing bass player. So it was really easy to like work with Matt because he's just a really talented, uh, musician. And so we would write songs together. And then my cousin, Devin was like 14 at the time, was like really really starting to pick up with the drums and it was getting really good so naturally had him come in the band and then we uh we had this guitar player we got on craigslist his name was david and he ended up just being a really close friend of ours after a while he he actually had a hard time uh he had a little bit of drug problem so he got into heroin and pills and so yeah it's that that's what took our old band down actually we started getting some momentum it was called sue grove and we named the band after the street that we started playing on uh out in essex that's where matt lived because that's where we'd always practice and jam and that's really where uh that's really where i got like most of my experience being in a band was at matt's house it, off sue grove in essex right on the water and so like from there you know just just playing and then we were getting the shows doing the recording we recorded uh we recorded like a five song ep with my old buddy kyle marshall who went to sheffield uh got us some alumni uh sessions and then we did, uh, and then we did some sessions with uh, this other professional engineer that's based off Charles Street in Baltimore. Um, and then we did some recording there, and uh, that was like some of our most polished stuff. And that, in my old project, and uh, just getting getting my feet wet with that. And then, uh, yeah, like, like I said, David had a heroin problem. So we had to, uh, you know, eventually he was homeless and I had to go down and yeah, he was in the methadone program and he was uh, living under a bridge right, right by, you know, sonar, sonar used to be yeah. right under the bridge right there. Yeah. So he was living down there in 10 city. And I went down there one time to like help him like move his clothes to like a safe location. Cause when you're homeless in the city, you have to always worry about like someone coming and jacking your stuff, like right. stealing all your possessions. He had all his possessions in this bag, so I went down there. We're driving through West Baltimore. We get pulled over by his police officer, two cops, undercover cops, re- wearing badges or like around their uh, around their necks, and then the the cops are, like. What the fuck are you doing down here, man? You're, you're look, look at the color of your skin. What are you, I know what you're doing. Where are the drugs? Where are the drugs? I'm like, dude, I don't have any drugs. So he's like, and so he, he points over my friend David, who had all these sores all over his arms and stuff. He's like, look at this guy. He's strung out on something. I'm like, yeah, but that's why I'm down here. I'm not here to yeah, cop drugs. Out my I'm friend, looking out yeah. for my friend. And they're like, bullshit. Get on the curb. Don't fucking move. Like, just treat me like a piece of shit. I was like, oh my god. And yeah. I was still kind of new to Baltimore at that time. So I'm like, yes. dude, this is crazy. Like, this is hardcore. Like, yeah. it is,
0: like, The Wire It really was. It was yeah.
1: like, oh, my God. Because I didn't even realize it. Because it was, like, it was West Baltimore, but it was, like, really close to President Street.
0: Right. And it was, like, yeah.
1: so I was, like, I didn't even know that I was in a or whatever part of town. So... So uh, I had my guitar in my back seat, actually my acoustic guitar. The cop picks up my guitar. He's like, "You're going to jail." You're really? going to jail. Starts playing it. Yeah. What? Yeah, I was like, "Dude, I can't believe this is happening." And, I, are and all I, these guys. That's they, yeah, they were like, they were literally, man. They were like, they were wearing cities. They were just rocking these badges around their around their necks. And I was like, okay, so these guys obviously do this all day and uh, and whatever. But so long story short, I, I dropped him off. Um, at the shelter and he checked into like a hospital or whatever. Now he lives on the Eastern shore. I think he's, he's been clean. Uh, he just got off of Suboxone actually like a couple months ago. Um, David Beck's his name, by the way. Um, good guy, man. Just, just kind of ran into a hard, hard, uh, run with it for a while. But so after that, you know, he left and then I picked up the guitar. Like I really picked it up. Like, cause I was like, okay, I gotta do something. Cause now we're not going to go look for another guitar player and do this. I'm just going to pick it up. I wanted to play guitar anyway. So I started doing it and then, like what had kept me from the guitar like the whole time was like the fear of the unknown like worrying about whether or not I could really start playing because because every time I would like pick it up randomly, I'd be like, oh, this is so hard. like it's gonna take so much time. I, I'm not dedicating like hours to this like people who are really good have already done. so I'm like, we should just get but I'm like, screw it, I'll just play. So took lessons in school. I went to CCBC. I took some lessons with this guy, Robert winter who was like, kind of like a semi-famous local musician. He's played at, like, uh, Cat's Eye Pub, and, like, he's been, like, a mentor, guitar player mentor for a lot of guys here locally. And so uh, actually fortunate enough to take lessons with him at school because, like, I was already in school, and that was, like, a class I could take, so... And it was at his house. It was in... um, Near uh, Kingsville, and he had, like, this he was doing sessions at his house. So I'd go to his house and play, and I was, like, fulfilling a requirement in school, and I was taking lessons. And it really opened up my eyes to, like, playing the guitar. It was just basic stuff, major, minor, uh, playing scales and just learning some basics. But, like, that's what I needed to get started. And then all I needed was that to, like, learn how to play reggae because reggae, as you know, is, you know, pretty basic, not super not super hard to play, like, a rhythm guitar in a reggae band. So um, from there, that's when we started playing. And so, like really got into songwriting really got into like just the groove of things and uh and then eventually me me and uh matt my buddy matt who was the bass player i think our we were going in different directions as far as like where we wanted to 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 take the band and then it became like more of a like it became like a burden to to keep getting together and playing songs because i felt like we were on just a different in a different place um you know obviously i wanted to keep playing music he wanted to keep playing music but it was like I just, I don't think that we really had like collab, like our, our, our efforts creatively were collaborative. I don't think our, our, our efforts, uh, as far as like our work ethic were very, they weren't really on the same page. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so stop stopped playing music completely. I was like out of a band. I still love singing. I still love playing whatever. I just wasn't in a band. I wasn't in a project. And then Devin found, uh, was recently had hooked up with, uh, the guys in the Fools, Kyle and Logan and them through this dude, Ben McGarvey, who he was in a little project with, um, back in the day. So we me and me and Devin, when we were still in Sioux Grove, our old band, we had this loft. We lived in this loft apartment. I don't know if you heard about the loft. Yeah, Have you heard yeah, about the loft? Yeah, I've heard about it, yeah. So those days were wild. Those those days were crazy. We would throw raves, like it was right off of um Packer Street in between Mulberry and Franklin. And we were we were throwing huge parties. People were like coming from out of the woodwork. They they actually like ran a venue in the apartment. Yeah, uh, I, fr- I forgot what they called it, but it was just, f- just all kinds of people, man, all the time, and like we were playing, and uh, and we had this really huge warehouse space that we could play music and live, and it was cool. Um, so after we stopped, he pl- he started playing with Ben, just as like a little project, a side project. Him playing drums and Ben's a really good DJ, so it's like a DJ with a drummer, and they would do all kinds of cool stuff. I actually did a little collaboration with those guys um, in the Sheffield studio. Uh, we did a little song. Their their little project was called Stellar Styly. It was like a mixture of like, I would say like drum step with like a little bit of a reggae feel. Devin on, with a live drum sound with like the DJ like house production, and uh, I I did vocals on a track, um, which is cool. And did that, and then we we're like, okay, cool. So then Ben introduced Devin to the Fools, before we were really the Fools. They were already the already what the Fools was back then. And then Devin was like we need a good singer. Why don't you come in on a, uh, on a practice? So they were playing this dive bar in middle river. I came and saw them play like, yeah, these dudes are really cool, really, really good, uh, positive people. And they're just, you know, just fun to be with. And, uh, and so saw them, we had a couple practices at our office space in Baltimore, uh, in Hamden, we would play in the attic and we were writing songs, drinking beers, having a good time. And we really started to click. And so that's when we started, uh, that's when that's, that's really what commenced what the fools is now with me in the band. And, and that's kind of how it started. So
0: cool. Cool. Yeah. That's an awesome, like sort of back history. And, you know, I've, I've met Matt, um, you know, before, uh, the former bass player of Sue a really good guy. Um, solid, solid. Yeah. Game. I've seen him play a little bit of bass, um, and he's super talented, but I, you know, when I first met him, I didn't know that whole backstory, like sort of like pre fools history or whatever, yeah. which is cool to find out. um, but it, but in terms of so you know Sue Grove was very reggae heavy. Um, I know that like Sublime was a big influence for Matt and I guess for for all the guys in the band. Oh but yeah, I mean
1: Kyle, Logan. Yeah. I mean.
0: Yeah, Sublime is definitely like big in general in terms of an influence for. I think for, for, the, for Fools the whole scene. Yeah. I
1: think for the whole scene. Yeah. For the whole reggae rock scene, I think Sublime is like what every band wants to emulate but doesn't really want to admit.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? And so it's like okay, like I'm not trying to copy Sublime or Sublime, but they really were the foundation yeah. because they cuz they were the one band they were the first band to draw from all these different genres and then put it into that's what we do like we all pull from everything that we like to listen to and we put it in our music that's what sublime did a lot of bands i mean in, even in our scene don't do that they'll just play traditional roots rock reggae or they'll play uh or they'll play like ska or like surf surf rock or whatever and and not not taking away from the scene i love the scene i love uh, i love a lot of the bands that are in our in our scene but but there's definitely there's definitely a difference between a band that's just that's just trying to fit the mold and a band that's really being creative and so obviously them being the pioneers of it you've got to give them the credit that they deserve you know and not not just not just trying to you know ride the coattails but they really they really laid the foundation and just like a bob marley i mean when you look at like reggae and ska or like where reggae came from and in and, and jamaica where it's like they were really just trying to do doo-wop and they just messed up <laughs> yeah. and, and, and like and just that that that's that culture of like having having nothing but being po- like politically so aware and like and just str- struggle and joy and violence and love and it's like that's that's what pulled me in it was like Damn, like this. These are really simple songs, but like this is a really, this is a really strong viewpoint that I really can identify with, and like that's that's what I l- look for in music. You know what I mean? That's really what I, that's really what I look for. Even like simple, like I was me and Tom were talking about on the way up here, like that's really why I love country music. I didn't start liking country until I got a little bit older, because I was like in high school, like dude, country sucks. Like who <laughs> listens to this? This is so bad. But. <laughs> But now, now, like, and maybe maybe country's gotten better over the years. I don't know, but but like, even listening to like old old country, like Johnny Cash or like Hank Williams. I love Johnny Cash. Yeah, yeah. Listening to those guys, and it's simple songwriting, but it's like it's so raw and like and just it. And for some, if, if the music touches your heart, it touches your heart, you know. And so it's like, okay, cool. So, uh, you know, that's why I like reggae because it's simple, it's to the point, but it's also really raw and it really it's really powerful and uh and there's something about that sound that would just like really drew drew me in you know i listened to a lot of different bands like we were talking about in high school uh those bands happened to be really big like like in the indie scene for instance we were talking about interpol you know i saw interpol at the state theater the secret machines opened up for them um and those that that whole scene was blowing up we had like Block Party was really big at the time, and, and like I was really into Block Party.
0: Yeah, Block Party. By the way, they're they're playing DC uh, later this month, and I'm, I would I'm love thinking to check about that going. Out. They're they're playing with one of my favorite bands, the, um, the Vaccines. They're a British band. Okay. So I didn't even know. Like I I follow the Vaccines pretty closely, so I saw they're playing it, and I think they're technically opening up for Block Party. No so way. I haven't seen Block Party. I know that like their drummer's that band pretty out. sick. Yeah. You'd like the vaccines, I think. If you like the Strokes, you'd like them. I love, I love the Strokes. Yeah, you'd you'd like the vaccines. But anyway, yeah, Block Party is like we should go to the show. I'm down to go to that. Yeah, definitely want to do that. But that 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 goes back to like you know I've noticed that you have a pretty diverse taste in music, and you came up like in the Detroit you know area where there was every band sounded like that. I mean, every
1: band sounded like like Brendan Benson and like every band was sounding like the Von Bondys and like that was that whole garage because like okay, I grew up in in Canton. It's like a suburb outside of Detroit. There was like four bands that like were on my street. I would listen. There was like a family band that lived right across the street. You would hear them rocking to, like 11, 12 o'clock, midnight. Nice. And this kid James was like two years younger than me, and he was playing guitar in the band. His dad ripped it at guitar. playing guitar. His sister played the drums. Really? Yeah, it was just, it was crazy. It was like, but it was like everybody was such a talented musician, and I and you didn't realize it because you like grew up in that an environment. But everyone was just such a talented. It was just crazy. Everyone was in a band. Everyone was like playing great music. And like, we would go, there was this place called the summit. It was like a, um, it was like a local, like a, not a convention center, but it was like a local place where you could like have a membership and play golf and, and like go to, go to the pool. It was like a gym and stuff. But there would also be like these high school concerts and, uh, a couple really good bands that we, that we, uh, that we all grew up with, like in high school would play. And they were just so good because they were just always playing constantly. Like that's that's what it was back in back in my hometown man. Everyone was just playing rock, constantly playing, writing at a young age and really good like really good musicians. And I actually know uh it's this guy Eric Nicolo. He lives in LA now. He writes like song. He was signed to Columbia uh, I think in like out of high school and he uh he ghostwrites for a lot of different musicians in LA and stuff. And um, and he like he sells out the Viper Room all the time. You know what I mean? Like It's 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 cool to see that it's possible. And like what it takes, though, is is like just a lot of time, It's a lot of man hours, you know, even me now, like I don't spend enough time really writing and doing music as much as I probably should, you know, because that's really how much that's really how much you have to do. And that's another reason why I really admire Nashville, because and like country and that scene and that culture. We see the end result, but what it takes for those guys to be to become more famous or wh- how whatever level of success that they have in that scene is 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 probably a hundred times harder than it would take for me to be a semi-famous reggae rock singer guy. You know what I right. mean? Because yeah. those guys, because it's, there's so much like, competition. It's right? Hollywood. Yeah. It's Hollywood, and it's right. Hollywood. I mean, those guys that they they have to compete so and and when you listen like a country song. You listen to, like, the studio, like, you listen to, uh, like, the production, it's just, it's crisp, it's clean, everything is perfect. And so it's like, you know, in our scene, we can get away with being a little bit more raw or a little bit more imperfect, and it sounds cool. But, like, that, in that scene, you've got to be perfect, just like in metal, you know? To be a famous metal musician, you, you have to be, you have to be amazing. Yeah. You have to be like Mozart, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's just, that's that's just insane. So, like, we get away with a little bit more, but... At the same time, I think that's another another reason why I was drawn to it because, because um, that's you know we're the educated fools you know we're we're educated but we're foolish we're not perfect but yeah. we still have some shit we want to say
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah that's that's always important and then like before we get to talking about the fools a little bit more and what you guys have coming up um, like what's some of your advice like you mentioned Nashville and how competitive it is and how everybody has to be perfect to make it but at least around here, you know, in the Baltimore area, and most parts of the country, if you're not talking about Nashville, New York, LA, maybe a couple other cities, um, you know, it might not take too much, except a lot of uh, willingness to just go out and do it and play yeah. the music. But what's your advice, like, you know, from your personal experience, and then also what you've seen from fellow musicians that have either been in successful bands locally, or maybe even what you've observed from some of your favorite national acts, um, what do you think it takes besides, you know, obviously having the talent and then, you know, having the, you know, wherewithal to go out there and do it? But what are, what are some of the, you know, key traits or some of the, you know, things that you think that an amateur musician in their basement should do if they want to form a band or if they've got a band, but they want to take it to the next level and start playing shows?
1: Well, I think the first thing you would have to do is focus on the music. I mean, obviously, that's the number one thing. Once, once you have a sound, once you have uh just even just a spark of interest you know you've got to take it to the next level the next next thing to do start writing something learn a cover song you know start learning some chords or start start singing some melodies start writing your own music you know i was always into like spoken word in high school so i did a lot of poetry and stuff so i always really enjoyed writing Mm -hmm. and so for me you know as a singer i like to write uh, if you if you if you have rhythm and you always wanted to play the drums, just go pick up a drum set. Go over to a friend's house. Go play, Do something musically that that can spark something. And then once you do that, then it's all about networking. Because the the more the more musicians that you network with, like that's one thing that I think you know we're starting to pick up. And that's one of the things I learned uh, a while back is. You know if you know musicians and you and you talk to people even music fans and you just get to know like people in who are passionate about it then you're just gonna put yourself a little bit closer to, to being immersed in it you know so that's networking and meeting people is I think after you've got a solid you know foundation of what you want to sound like um, that's the big thing you just have to you have to put yourself out there and you have to really want to get to know other people in, in music or people who are just fans of the music yeah. well
2: Well, also, Nick, with you personally, dude, you're very versatile. You know, you go up on stage, your, your vocals are there you hop on the guitar, you could you could hop on a drum at any local bar and fill in for somebody. I actually watched you do that in Fell's Point, yeah, which right. was pretty sick. That's I, I, right, at, Yeah, but at first I thought this guy played the drums. I had no idea who he was and all I know is that now he's on his vocals and playing <laughs> the guitar and writing lyrics and <laughs> yeah, being that, that versatile. So that has to contribute to your abilities to be able to find your passion. Oh yeah. You know, like you said, what was it first? Starting with the vocals? You found your vocals well, first actually, or?
1: Well, I always kind of like sing but like I yeah. think the, dr- the drums is what I really started working working at like I was playing mm-hmm. drums constantly mm-hmm. like hours 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 like listening to deftones and like my little mp3 player just like, <laughs> trying to get parts down like the Mars Volta like trying to get these parts down and um, and just like, like really falling in love with the drums like I really did I was like I love the drums I love it and then but I always like to sing too you know but in a band you know I had my buddy, Angelo, we would always be at his house, like, he was, uh, blood Bloodfart, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was always, he was always, like, coming up with these cool, and we always, Angelo's house was just, like, our, our hangout spot. He had the mini ramp in his garage, like, I, we, I skate, I've been skateboarding, like, a lot since I was, like, tw- 12 years old, really, really skating a lot, and, uh, he built a mini ramp in his, in his garage, we'd always just go over there, skate for hours, we'd have rails, ramps, like, all kinds of stuff set up, skating, super hard and then playing music later they were huge uh also huge weed smokers um i i didn't really i mean i probably you know smoked occasionally but those guys man those guys were like just just <coughs> constantly like chiefing bowls and constantly like just smoking tons of weed and and, play, and just writing really funny songs but it was more like thrash punk we were playing like really hardcore like like, yeah. Like, I don't want to go to work today. I don't want to work today. It was like just shut like that, but, but it was fun, you know.
2: Well, what's great with you, what you have working with now, you and your band, is it's very, it's very dynamic. Yeah. You know, it is. and for me personally, coming from Rhode Island, dude, I I don't think I was ever really into reggae. You know, yeah. I don't think I really really was until I There's started. There's a nice
1: little scene up there, though.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Down in Ocean Newport. State. Yeah, absolutely. So you,
1: got, you, got, you probably got you a got... lot of like cool little because I've never really been. Cause we were supposed to go this summer. I've never really been up to like Newport, yeah, like that whole area. Or down but and I Darganza. imagine there's a lot of like, like cool little. Like oh. right on the water bars and places. No the way
2: there absolutely are. And summer, I know you guys yeah. are gonna get out there this summer to yeah, have some to. gigs there. But also, you know, coming down here listening to you guys play. Yeah. Um, it was like a perfect opening to like what reggae is and then getting into <laughs> a little punk rock, but then also throwing some rap in there. So yeah. going out to these bars and listening to you guys play and having your gigs, you guys stand out from the other guys that you play with, the other guys that headline for you as well. That's cool, um, man. And it's and it's that. sick and it's like these are the guys you want to be listening to. Yeah. These educated Yeah, guys. it's
1: it's cool too because like I feel like rap has hit a new plateau and in a different way because like I mean I I'm, I'm a huge hip hop fan. I like a lot of like like underground hip hop, like old school stuff, mm-hmm. but I also can appreciate like the new, even like the drill or like the new like trap or whatever. Like I can still appreciate where the what that sound is. Yeah. The beats are bigger, like everything's bigger now, but but Kyle, his, his he's very lyrical as a rapper. Yeah. And the way that I write songs, it's it's almost in a rap signature, but it's like it's obviously it's a little bit more like elongated melodies and stuff, but when I like my cadence as far as like the writing and like the sentence structures and stuff, it's very similar to how like a hip-hop cadence would be. You know, if you were to really sit down and break it, like I could like sing my lyrics in like a rap style if I really wanted to. So some sometimes I'll like go into that, but like hip-hop it is, you know, it's It's hard to fuse that and not sound cheesy, mm-hmm. you know but like I think we can pull it off.
2: I think you guys do a great job
0: of it. yeah, absolutely for
1: sure thanks dude.
0: So Nick, tell me a little bit about uh, what the fools have been up to recently and what's coming up for the band.
1: So we've been um, recording at uh, Jim Fox's studio in College Park. We've been recording our EP uh, we've done a little bit of recording here in this studio uh, with Matt uh, and we have just, you know, with Devin's surgery, we've kind of been on hiatus as far as playing live shows. We just, we just wrapped up a couple really good shows. Um, Soundstage, Riley's, and Mount Vernon. Um, High Tops, obviously, High Tops. We, we always like to play there. So, uh, we've just been, you know, in, a, in writing mode. Uh, the guys right now are at the Kentucky Derby, so when they get back, I'm sure we'll, we'll just hit the ground running with it. Me and Logan are going to be playing a little acoustic set at, uh, at uh, Mad River, on the 20th of May, and then um, as a band, hopefully w- when Devin's all recouped, um, June 10th, we're going to be playing uh, soundstage with The Henchmen, Gotham Theory. Uh, June 24th, soundstage with Higher Education. June 25th at Riley's Oyster Bar in Hunt Valley, Timonium area, so um, that's that's on the horizon. And then uh, we're playing a little get-together at Woodhall Wine Vineyard, um, something low-key, in July sometime. Uh, in Hereford, that's actually where my parents live now. That's where we moved to when we first moved to Maryland. Right down the street from them. Small world. That guy. That guy worked for Domino Farms. Right down the street from where I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> Super small world. Yeah. Midatlantic. He's, Atlanta, he's like originally originally he's from Michigan. He's like the yeah. OG of Domino's, Like responsible for bringing it to the Mid Atlantic region. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that's crazy. Street. It's like he started he started boxing Domino's pizzas when he was twelve. Right down the street, like fifteen wow. minutes away from where I grew up. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's Small awesome. world, yeah. Yeah. Makes some pizza right now. Yeah, and you, you guys have been playing with some cool bands uh, recently, and then um, that June 24th 8x10 show is going to be with our friends, Higher Education, they're going to be headlining. Oh, that's right,
1: that's an 8x10, not Soundstage. We, we uh, they are playing a show at Soundstage, right? Higher Education is.
0: Um, I'm not sure. I don't know about, about like... Probably. But, uh, I thought they had something going on. They, they might stage. be. Yeah. yeah, they might be. Um, it's crazy
1: because um, we played with those guys at Sioux Grove. At, oh, really? Yeah. Cool. At the Wrecker and at Bourbon Street when Bourbon Street was still open in Baltimore where uh, Old Hammerjacks was. And like, last show we played with Higher Education, um, the guys came up to me and they were like, dude, you're the reason why we decided to do reggae. You know, you really inspired me as a musician. Really? Like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I've never no one's ever come up to me and said that. they like they but they they're like adamant about it. I was like, dude, like I feel that's really a, a compliment. That's a huge honor. Like like, dude, like you're the reason, man. Like, I swear. I felt like it was a little overblown what they were saying, but like they were saying like they really believed it. I was like, dude, that's really cool to hear, man. You
0: know? Cool, yeah, they're they're great guys are yeah, really, really, really. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten to know them a little bit, um, but I'm you know looking forward to seeing them play more shows and yeah. watching them play shows with you guys. Um, and then the Milestones, like they're also our friends. Yeah. Another, another great band. Yeah. Cool. They're going to be playing that June twenty fourth eight by ten show too. So definitely check out the June tenth show at Soundstage, and then the eight by ten show too. Um, but I think Nick's. Soundstage's
1: gonna, sound quality is perfect. Yeah, it's it's an yeah. aptly named It's the venue. best we've ever sounded yeah soundstage
0: oh yeah absolutely by and far. and soundstage also has an actual great stage like a, a large stage which for a seven piece band is oh my god helpful.
1: like you so many times where we just feel so claustrophobic yeah you know like seven huge guys freaking yeah i in on stage like just in close quarters like yeah. we can roam it's you really know we is. can jump around yeah do back handsprings yeah whatever we want
0: yeah i think uh, i think it's gonna be cool to see you guys play uh soundstage again that was that was a great show the uh so The first soundstage show was back in March, I think it was March 24th. Opening up for the Expendables and Pacifier and there's a couple other bands on there, Roots of Creation and Tunnel Vision. Yeah, Roots um, of Creation,
1: they're they're good dudes, man. They had like the Billboard number one reggae album.
0: Yeah. Recently. Sweet. Yeah.
1: Uh we're gonna try to get a gig with them, hopefully, um up in you know, they're from New Hampshire, so hopefully we'll be able to get we have connections in Rhode Island. Yeah,
2: we'll draw that New England crowd, baby. Yeah, yeah, man. That, Tommy's gotta yeah, bring all of his Tommy's gonna hook it up hopefully. All so, of
1: his all of his all of his college uh all of his college buddies and <laughs> Maybe all kinds of people. Just having, just
2: having, like you were saying earlier. You know, being being able to have the right connections and just being able to network is huge, especially you know. And for you guys to be able to play with them at Soundstage when you you guys rocked out, I'm telling you, you guys blew everyone away. And then being able to take it up to Rhode Island and bring it to New England and bring that New England crowd where you said, you know, reggae music down in Newport and Narragansett. Yeah, dude, um, there's, that gonna... band,
1: uh, there's that band Badfish that's a sublime tribute band that's exactly. from Rhode Island. Right out
2: of Rhode Island.
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah. they've been around a long time, they have. haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they're
1: good. You know, they're really good. But, like, dude, it's the ocean state. Like, the people don't realize it's a, it packs like a huge punch for a small state. And there's just so many colleges so it's, many beachfront. how front. many like how many colleges
2: there's many, many, at least a dozen colleges how many like college kids in, in, in the that, area in that one city in mass and connecticut oh in my, one city in, in it's, it's all alone dude. thousands yeah. of students down in there against it all those all those cute little townhomes right by the beach it's <laughs> yeah. all all college student rentals people don't even you know, know everyone that's, who wants that's to rock a sweet out a little and, state dude it yeah. is, man. It's a, it's a quaint little town yeah. that I live in, and then just being it's twenty fun. minutes from every direction, man, you can't go wrong. No, you know, some people may say they run out of stuff to do out there in Rhode Island, but uh, it's. I, I I'm telling you, when I you got the beach there, every time I come, <laughs> up, we, we, we always got something fun planned. Were, yeah, crazy. <laughs> But what's great is, uh, you know, if we can get you guys that something going on over at Lupos in Providence, man, that's gonna be a huge setup for you guys. Lupos a big venue. It it is a big, great venue. Yeah, a, lot a, lot a lot of big guys have performed there. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, even like maybe even a local part down in Newport, dude. But you guys will be finding some stuff in Boston here soon. It's just right. To, like I said, a guy, I have the right connections. We're connected with R3D Entertainment Manager over at Lupo's Heartbreak Hotel. And uh, getting you guys there with Roots of Creation would definitely be a big setup for Solid you guys. Blast. And at least the first sights of going on tour, you know, and having that experience and being able to afford it just by what you guys do and just yeah. by rocking out and enjoying it. So um, we're all looking forward to that, hopefully in the, you know, later parts of the summer time frame. But we're still working on that. You know, there's p- plenty of things we got to focus on now. Yes. Um, yeah. But I, then again, I'm, I, I feel pleasured and honored to come out here and try to, you know, build you guys up and show you, show everyone what you guys really are and being able to bring it back home and show my family and friends like, guys, these, this is the next thing. You know, Much this respect. Is, this is the next big thing. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Much respect. <laughs> but, yeah, no, getting um you know, getting out of state,
0: you know, getting some shows in different parts of the country is definitely one of the next steps. And yep. you know, any band that wants to really make it, you know, that's part of the the process. So mm-hmm. um but yeah, just speaking about the music, Nick, I think you might be doing a a number um, you know, song for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so so Nick, what's uh what's the title of the song? So this is called, so called
1: Love gonna? Shocked? I usually play with this with uh, Logan on piano.
2: But here's a little acoustic version. He's playing on a red guitar here. It's my favorite color.
3: I can't sleep When I'm thinking about your loving I want it Don't judge me I know you are someone I can talk with, walk with. I want this to be more than just some memory, some fallacy. Yeah. Tired of pretending I'm not, more than just a little love shot. Not now, then, baby, why not? If not me, then what does he got do? I need a bigger house, a Mercedes Benz I see the way you are when you're out with your friends Finding out there's nothing missing As if the clock is ticking Happiness you'll never find Someone else's life you're living And on and on and on and on we'll go On and on and on and on we'll go on. I can't speak I'll make you love me if you let me I'm it, we both wanted A love to rely on Shed sparks in the darkness I want this to be More than just some broken dream Some fallacy, yeah Tired of pretending I'm not More than just a little love shot If not now then baby why not if not me, then what does he got to? I need a bigger house, a Mercedes-Benz. i see the way you are when you are ride right with your friends. Finding out there's nothing missing as if the clock is ticking. Happiness you'll never find someone else's life you're living. And on and on and on and on we'll go. Oh, on and on and on and on we'll go.
1: So that's, uh, that was called Love Shocked. And uh, Kyle t- usually will rap like a verse or two in the middle of that song. So that was just like my parts. But um, yeah, that's just about, I mean, you know, everyone, everyone, almost everyone has been in a relationship at some point or other, or wasn't a relationship. And it's for me, that's, that was about, uh, you know, relationships that I've been in, in the past, not necessarily the relationship that I've been currently. Um, you know, different expectations that we, that we have as men and women and, um, and, uh, and how, and how, you know, relationships should make you feel and how you end up feeling in relationships that may be good or bad and, uh, and just, just raw emotion that comes from
2: being in a relationship. <laughs> well that's a little redundant but yeah that's that's pretty much like what my thought process it's just a, nice to know that a lot of your music does have that deeper meaning you know even you, even with... yeah i've always been a little bit sappy in a way you yeah. know i always kind of like i like to be
1: poetic and like talk about a lot a broad range of topics but you know especially with like with reggae and stuff i just i feel like you know i like to write songs about about like relationships because um you know, I think I think ex- expressing expressing your your view on how you feel about your relationships or how you you know how you feel about someone. Yeah. That it's like, you know, there, that's most music that you hear is probably about a girl. And it makes, most music you know exactly. most music that you hear is probably about someone loving someone. And so, like, you know, uh, for me, I just I like to. I like to just personify that and and kind of like go go with that like we were saying before is like picking a lane or choosing you know a certain style. you know content wise like that's I think I think that's just an easy I don't want to say like it's a it's a crutch, but it's just an easy um, it's an easy topic to like really run
2: with well, you know especially and, for you personally to be able to focus on that. Yeah, and it makes that enjoyable. Yeah, for yeah. you to be able to let out your feelings through your music and yeah. almost kind of like hide what the true meanings are, but knowing in yourself that you have that base feeling, and then people—I think people when they watch you on stage or they listen to it in your voice—they can really feel that. And I think that's ultimately something huge for a musician to be able to portray. Yeah, you know? dude,
1: think, that's that's you hit the nail right on the head. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, relationships—you know—not not to not to get too sad, but (laughs) relationships are i think they test you a lot and i think you find out a lot about yourself and in the relationships that you had not just with girls but just in general with people you know yeah and i think that 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 helps write your your story Mm -hmm. you know and so for me like i've learned a lot in the relationships that i've been in in the past and um you know i took a hard fall very early like i took a lot you know I see guys going through like heartbreak like now like later on, you know, I took I took a really hard fall like my first time out. <laughs> you yeah. know, so I think that like that really set me up as far as like how I how I like to Approached your approach your relationships. Music. Or, or and music? and you know, relationships too, but okay. like approach approach music and really listen to different music and like what what catches my ear more because maybe the experiences that I've gone through mm-hmm. in the past. And so like, you know, I guess that's that's really where I come from musically. Uh, some other people come from a different place, you know, musically. As far as like what has pulled them through, um, what's inspired them. It's not just relationships that inspires me, but you know, I feel like it, you know, with this with the music that we put together, I think it adds a cool balance, especially with the other guys that are in the group and what they kind of how they approach music. Yeah. I think we all balance each other out. So I'm kind of like, I I kind of throw in a little bit of the. uh the heart. You know the heart, the 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 heart, the soul, the um, not that you know the other guys have a shitload of soul. More of but
2: more of the emotion that yeah, a more, more hear in the yeah, song.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? you know, I think it balances it out. So uh, I think it's that's why why we were really a pr- pretty good collaborative because it's um it just it throws a little bit of that in there.
2: Absolutely. You
0: know? Cool, and that's a I think that's a great segue into um, our next segment. We wanted to talk a little bit about relationships and. Maybe dating a little bit or, um, you know, asking people out. Keeping it real with my dudes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, So I think, uh, Tom, like, we're going to sort of lean on you here because um, you've sort of been going through the process of moving, I guess, to a new town or spending more time (laughs) in a new town and uh, maybe asking some girls out on dates or... Trying to get some numbers. Just um,
1: being a young stud, being a super well, eligible bachelor.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? Some of the friends that I know Nick has here are pretty uh, outgoing, and they love they love to go out. They love to have a good we time. We like to party. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, I think last night was a great experience that I had doing it. You know, I think ultimately, um, you know, if you're going out, to, if you're going out to a bar, you're going out to a club. I find it in my best interest to just try to remain cool. You know, don't try to be that guy. <laughs> right? Don't try
0: too hard. To, yeah, like, you
2: know, because you can. Yeah. You go out there and you see those guys walking in there, and I, I think I pointed out to your buddy Tyler. I was like, dude, like, some of the guys walk in here. I'm like. You know, you know in your head you're like wow that guy's got to relax you know he yeah, wants to like, stand dude, out <laughs> don't let it be your mission to like, <laughs> go out and snipe some chick like that shouldn't be it no. really shouldn't be because yeah, nothing's going
1: majority of dudes out there i think that like go to bars and stuff and like you know they're trying to pick up chicks like and stressing so hard when it doesn't <laughs> go their way. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: but you know what? For me personally, my job with being a marketing and sales guy, going door to door and speaking and communicating with people, building a relationship or rapport at the door, I think really helps me when I go oh, out and t- talk to a girl. I'm not looking at her like I'm hitting on her. I'm just communicating like I want to get to know this person, especially because I'm not even from around here. You know, I'm... Being out of state, yeah, you, you've know. definitely
1: done a good job putting yourself out out there. You know, like just in general, like being an out of town guy. Like I know how that is. When I moved here, it was like no, knew nobody, and it's like it's not easy. And especially in a place like Mar- Maryland's awesome. I this is my home now, but it, it wasn't the easiest in this area. I feel like because like where I'm from and you know where you're from, mm-hmm. and and uh, the East Coast. You know, I'm I'm from the Midwest. It's a lot easier to get along with more people than it is to get along with. There's a lot of different personalities on the east coast and i feel like you know after a while you get you get in the rhythm of things you get you get used to it but it's definitely not as easy to get along with with people here and on the east coast it's a little bit harder
0: it can be i've I've found that the further north you go it it's i don't want to say it gets harder um, i just does. think it's like a busier and faster paced lifestyle right so you know that's the stereotype about new yorkers you know, they're they're moving 100 miles an hour at all times, and they're not going to hold open a door for you. They're not right. going to, you know, stop and Maryland's chat with you. Maryland's got a good mix of bo- right. both. Right. And, yeah. it, you know, and, it, and it's sort it's almost, you know, the further south you go or the further north you go, like, you know, people are either more, you know, friendly or more just, you know, s- stick to themselves, and they're in a rush. Um, but, yeah, you know, I went to school down in North Carolina for college, and down there, people were just friendlier. Um you know, somebody will start a random conversation with you at the gas station or the convenience store. Um, you know, people are just going to be, you know, I, I guess a little bit more polite. Not that people from the north or from Maryland aren't polite. No, but. no,
1: but I mean, it's like like one of the things that, like, a light bulb went off in my head was when I started, when I would make eye contact with somebody randomly, like I say at a gas station or something, it wouldn't be like it was back home. Like, you know, in Michigan, I'd, I'd look at somebody, hey, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? You know, here, you do that, and it's weird. It's awkward. They yeah. walk away. It's like, yeah, okay, and then eventually, I just, you get used to it, and it's kind of sad. It's like, okay, now it's just, that's how it is, but it's like, you never really get used to it, especially when you're not from somewhere, you know, but it's, it's definitely like, you know, but like, there's good and bad everywhere. That's what I've learned to to figure out Yeah, and, There's good and bad everywhere, and
0: yeah, and in terms in terms of dating, like somebody like in, in Tom's situation, I think it, Maryland might be even tougher than the average uh, area or city because it's very like small town here. Like a lot of people, um, you know, sort of have these. I don't want to say like clicks. It's a little it, clicky. It is, and it's very. Yeah. It's but it's yeah. very like small town, small world. Everybody sort of knows each other. There's definitely, you know, I went to like a, a private Catholic school. There's definitely a big Catholic school scene here and then even apart from that just you know if you went to school in Baltimore County you typically know a lot of people from Baltimore County I'm sure it's the same if you went to like Prince George's County or you know Hartford County or wherever um, but even even in the city in Baltimore um, you know people just seem to know each other um, you know you run into people that you either went to high school with or college with or whatever but you know it's definitely sort of a, a culture and it's, it's a little more, like, I think it's a little more insulated than, you know, other, you know, neighboring cities, I guess. Um, but I don't know. Like, it I don't feels know. smaller than, yeah. even
1: like, where I, where I was from. Like, I, I went to high school with, like, 5,000 students. If you Jeez. look it up online, look up Plymouth Canton Community Educational Park. It was, like, a campus. Wow. And so I would see new kids every day. Every yeah. day I'd see, for five, for four years, I would see new kids every day, new faces, like, and so, like, I had a different, I guess I had a different experience in, in high school because so many different cultures, so many different people. Um, and here, you know, when we moved to Hereford, it was like we were living in a country. It's like two black people my, at, at my brother's school, <laughs> you know, and, like, yeah. everyone knew each other and everyone knew each other's story. And, every, and it was like I'm, like, grateful that I had that, my experience because I can see how people get wrapped up in that small town stuff. You know, and I think it limits, I think it limits, but there's also something very charming and something to be said for like a small tight knit community that, you know, and that's, that's one of the cool things about Baltimore. It's a very, it's very, very versatile that way. It's different. You know, you, you eventually learn to appreciate it and you find your, you find your way. It's like at first that you have to kind of get your wings, but.
2: Well, what's, what's awesome is like, you know, coming from Rhode Island, I went to a private school, you know, and, and there are those cliques there, but then again, in Rhode Island. Everyone knows somebody. You know, right. Everyone knows everybody yeah. um, to that point. But it's just funny because last night, you know, going out into the city of Baltimore, um, I, ran, I ran into one of those cliques. These, these, everyone that was there was their whole crew, right? They <laughs> knew each other since elementary school. Yeah, And I'm on the other side of it where I don't know anybody. And I'm coming from a small state that no one really knows where it is. They always think I'm from Long Island. I don't right. know if it's my accent that comes out when I try to say road, but right. <laughs> but I had that predicament last night. And you know what? The best way to handle those situations when you're the outsider and you know they all know each other, then go out there and get to know each one of them separately throughout the night. That way, when they come back to you or one of them's like, oh yeah, we're going to go here or there. And I'm like, oh great that's awesome that's that's race place and they're like oh you know Ray and I'm like well yeah you know he's your friend right you guys knew each other for a while he goes yeah you know and then everyone just starts kind of clicking yeah and and that's really how it has to it has to be you got to put yourself out there and communicate with everyone that's there not just tailor yourself to one chick that you see you got to see who her friend is who's the, <laughs> yeah. who's the mom of the group all right and then who's the guy that's so that's, that's being you know on. Who's the guy that's being the guy that wants to get with that girl? (laughs) You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give everybody their label. Still your girl. That song (laughs) on your phone. (laughs) Still your girl. Well, you just want to be the guy that gets along with everyone, and the best way to do that is give everyone your full attention and not just. You know know that you're the outsider and keep yourself humble and just being able to communicate and being yourself and just knowing that you're going out there to enjoy yourself and be somewhere new that you've never been. Uh, that's the ultimate experience. Not looking for some quick hookup because you're not going to find it that way. Right. You're yeah. not going to find it that way, especially if you're looking for a classy broad guys. You know, I've never been into someone that just throw the- throws themselves at me. Yeah. Um, I've always been in the hard to get or the girl that you know, appreciate somebody that looks more at her than just her body, her looks, you know, someone Definitely. that actually takes an intriguing, you know, an interest in who she is. Right. And I think the classy girls, the ones that typically won't hook up with you in the first date.
1: <laughs> will sometimes be, they
2: got an appetite. Though. Well, absolutely. <laughs> you know, there sometimes are those. Sometimes it's there, hard to There are those they can't ones help themselves.
1: control that. Understandably, well, that, yeah, that insatiable appetite. <laughs> sometimes you just gotta give them what they want.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you do, Nick. So I'll have to agree with you there, and I'm sure, and it has happened, and it's bound to happen. All right, if you if you talk talk to enough enough people, um, but the classy ones, they'll you start flexing those biceps. They'll all be mortality. still the most. <laughs> eventually, he's gonna catch up to him, <laughs> you, know? you know, guys, stick in the gym. All right, that's another big thing. They love that. All right, they love that.
1: That's just a general, that's a general, like, to-do. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you should definitely, your body is a temple, uh, you know.
2: You need to treat it like one. You got to. Okay. And... And girls, I feel like they just have like a persona when oh, they look at a guy and they know he works out and he knows he works out. <laughs> I think they're just generally attracted to that, you know? And I think the
1: fact that like you internalize that may make it a self-fulfilling prophecy which just like, I
2: think works for you. It's like, boom, yeah, <laughs> we're out here. Maybe, uh, maybe that <laughs> we, was always my Joe. problem
0: uh, when I was younger. <laughs> not I enough reps. Did, reps did, yeah, not enough reps, reps. Didn't work out. Drank a lot of beer. <laughs> uh, maybe, which was a,
1: was a positive.
0: Well, I guess. I think that
1: probably helped your case.
0: Maybe. I don't know. But, but you're uh, not you know you're still going. Apparently, some I, I guess I was at a disadvantage because I wasn't working out. Maybe maybe all those yeah. girls that I made that I was talking you, to that I wanted to get their numbers and they didn't give me their numbers. Maybe I needed to work out. Maybe that's what maybe I was doing the whole time. Maybe you just need to build
2: some more traps. You yeah, know? <laughs> I need to work. Need, yeah, maybe <laughs> work on deeper.
0: I think a big key is to be yourself because Absolutely. I think a lot of girls like every girl picks up on a guy that's not being himself. Like Definitely. that's trying to throw a game if game's not their thing, like if they're trying too hard or they're just trying to impress them and try to be like too cool, you know, like right. girls girls can tell right away. I think they've got an intuition for that. Bullshit but, detector built in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But but Tom, like what are, what are some like things that you've picked up on, like, or do you have any stories of like maybe getting shot down, like maybe when you were younger, or even, you know,
2: out here? You know, there there's definitely been, you know, times in my life where you know, I had my own issues or struggles in a relationship and a girl. And I think I'm kind of like you and Nick in the sense where it happened to me really early on. So I've almost built like a barrier of feelings, you know, where I don't get too involved and right. I just let things happen. And if it happens that way, then that's the yeah. way it is. That's, that's I think that's you a know? better
0: way to go about it. And that's like part of being young is like a, as part of a young guy or being a young guy. Yeah. Um, you, you sort of have to learn the hard way. Like I think a lot of guys get really emotionally invested with like their first either serious girlfriend or maybe, you know, a girl that they really, really go head, head over heels for. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I think that part of like, you know, becoming more experienced with girls or with relationships is to not get, you know, overly invested too early and to try to get to know someone. And then, um, but yeah, it's, it's a delicate process, but, um, you know, I'm I'm right there with you guys. I went through so a couple tough uh, you know relationships that you know sort of took some uh, some uh, some beats or whatever, and um, you know it's it was a it was a learning experience, mm-hmm. and I think it helped me for for later on. But
1: it's like
2: it's it, a feeling where like they tell you like there's many fish in the sea. Yeah and, you and like, like, yeah, and you're like, and you're like, but then you I don't feel like, like a fish yeah. in the bucket, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> but right. that always passes. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it,
1: it, you it have to, you have to let it pass. Yeah, now. the
0: the plenty of fish in the sea line, like you know, I, I heard that when I was going through a tough time with one particular girl, and you know, I just, I was just like, you know, I I don't care. I know there's plenty of fish in the sea, but I care about this girl, mm-hmm. and I found myself telling some of my friends, you know, when they go through a rough time with the girl, you know, I'll say the same thing, but sometimes, like, you know. Every, you know everybody's different. Everybody has their own. And that's way the last of, thing someone for, yeah. wants to hear, right? Most yeah. of the time it is, yeah. but the, but the but the other side of it is, I think it's tr- also there's a lot of truth to it too. Yeah. So it's it's tough. Like you know sometimes all you can do is just be a good friend. It's to like your, taking to a big your, loss of poker, yeah. right? And it's like yeah. there's
1: plenty of hands to be had. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? There's it more gets hands. Better it's, from here. Stay in right. the game. Yeah. You know.
0: But it's yeah it's it's sort of hard to like it's well, you know stay
2: with it and learn from it. Yes. And that's that's I think what we can all relate on is that we all had our hard hard times that I know for Nick and I, at least it came really early on and we learned from it and you know how to deal with it. Yeah. That that's, way that's you don't nice. have to be heartbroken. You could, you know, it's just on to the next one. Right. Yeah. yeah. For me. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right about it. I know. I know Nick is in a great relationship. I know you're married. So I'm yeah. a little younger than these guys. If you haven't noticed, I'm I'm 22 turning three, 23 this year. So nice. still got a, a few, uh plenty good, Fun loving years in front of me. At Still least. got a lot of throwing up. To <laughs> got but a lot uh, of
0: promising years ahead of you. But um, so I guess in in terms of you know picking up girls, you're getting numbers. Because um, we were talking earlier about maybe some stories or whatever. But to start off with, getting a girl's number, or you know if if you're a girl and getting a guy's number or whatever, or a guy getting works. a guy's number, yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, what, what are some tips like, you know, what have you learned over the years? Like what works, what doesn't obviously for you, but what do you think like in general is, or is some good advice?
2: Um, some general good advice was obviously don't ask for a number too early. And the second advice, which you guys probably won't understand at first is never ask for the number. Okay. <laughs> um, just, right. just so you guys know, um, it throws a girl off when you're changing it up. So every, every guy wants to find a way to ask for the number. I started off by asking, okay, what's your Snapchat? Let's, let, let's right. add you on Snapchat. And then in turn, that it's like, hey, That's you start part, messaging yeah. on Snapchat or whatever it is. You're like, well, I'm getting tired of this. My messages keep going away. Let me get your number. Let me text you. Um, but recently, I had a buddy of mine, Andy Bean, who I work out with for many years, man. He's a ladies' man himself. And he, uh, he actually told me what he does he goes, he, he goes up to the girl and he goes, take down my number. <laughs> he basically tells her what to do, right? Take down my number. <laughs> it doesn't it, work for everyone. It's not, I mean, it, you're right. It may you not. You be professional. You need to be confident you don't hurt yourself. every time you, every every time show, you yes. talk to a girl. But <laughs> I, I, why don't you go, you know, try it sometime. Go up to a girl at, that you've been talking to throughout the night and ask her to take down your number. That way, if she's interested, she'll hit you up. Right. Um, if she's really interested, she'll be like, well, why aren't you asking for my number? <laughs> right. And then just let them know that your phone is dead. Okay. Yeah. That's, sure a, they... that's a good one. <laughs> Phone's dead. Sweet. Sorry. I actually think I just used that last you should, night. But... You take my number. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of my, uh, one of my boys,
0: his name is George. Um, he was telling me like he, you know, he usually didn't do the, that approach, but he decided to try it one night. It was in Towson. Um, and there was a bartender like that he thought was really cute. And, um, I don't know it seems to me like bartenders can be sort of tough to to especially pull that on but in general like ask for their numbers or whatever but uh but he said that when he got like a receipt for you know his tab he just decided to write down his number and name and he handed it to her and he's like the balls in your court and <laughs> and I was like wow like that's a pretty strong move and he said that, that he, he she called him up like that night and uh, I think they went on a date and I don't know if you know, things worked out well, or if they're still talking or whatever. But. Thing with thing yeah. with
2: bartenders, I don't know, maybe most people know, they can't just be handing out their name and number right. to people. Right, yeah. Um, but if you're putting it out there for them to let them know, hey, you think they're attractive and you're giving them your number, point of contact, then who yeah. you knows on the side or the next day when they're not working, they may have that interest. Yeah. So, so what's, uh,
0: what's like a, a funny story of maybe like, I don't want to say like an embarrassing moment, but maybe just like a girl that was just like not about – you know, anything to do with giving her, like, giving you, like, her information or whatever, just, like, maybe shooting you down or, or is it any funny story when it
2: comes to, like, going out and trying to meet girls? Well, you know, I'm going to have to think about that one, Fernando. I'm not, I'm not too keen on, you know, instances right now that I've, are specific that I've ran tell you into. A bunch. <laughs> I'm, think, sure, think, I'm sure, I'm sure Nick's think, got plenty over yeah, here. So,
1: so, like, you was, like, back to, like, being yourself, just, like, what, so you're at a bar, right? And, uh. And what are we doing? We're all drinking. Hey, you want to drink? What are we doing? Playing pool. You guys want to play some pool? Like, just just being yourself and, and meeting people. Not like not looking at girls as an object. That well, right. Like, looking at girls as people that you want to get to know. Like, you know, you if if you like girl girl company. Then that's the way you that's the way you approach it. You don't look at it as I'm gonna hook up with this chick tonight. Right. You know, just like have you ever gonna make a friend at a bar or make a friend anywhere. You know, it's the same thing. You're you're just making a
2: friend. I think the hardest part about going out is seeing the girl that you really want to go talk to, and then trying to figure out a way to make that first move. But you have to realize that it's really just gonna come naturally. Yeah, because the odds
1: are against you at that point.
2: They're they're always against you. I don't, care. I don't <laughs> care. They're always against you. But just having the confidence and just going up to that girl and giving her that vibe that look, this guy just wants to communicate. He just wants to get to know. Or me.
1: Logan was here because
2: he. he yeah, be I mean, really he would definitely have plenty of, of <laughs> plenty of stories for us. Me personally, I, I just maybe I don't pursue as much.
1: Your you relationship know, I've kind of guy.
2: I mean, I I'm the kind of guy that looks for a girl that's got more than just attractive. You know, yes. they I mean they got to be attractive. Yeah, you, gotta, you, you, gotta, you know you have to mind, have you have to well respect body. exactly, man. <laughs> they got to be classy. They can't be dancing all over the place. They can't. You know, be. they can't be out of control. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. there's there's one instance with a relationship that I had. Um, this is a kind of a funny story, but maybe not so funny. You know, have you ever had one of those bad relationships so just annoying. where you just really, yeah, where you just really got to get out of the relationship. But the problem is, is that the girl that you're talking to is just so, not to say psycho people, but you know, just, just out there, you know, certain tendencies. Well, there was an instance in my life where I was trying to break up with this girl. She actually cheated on me, Fuck. you know, and it was probably my bad. I found out by looking at her phone. So it was just, you know, the, the child's play kind of stuff. And, uh brutal she actually went on the same night it's probably 2 a.m. in the morning trying to tell her look I gotta go I'm done like I'm leaving right trying to get in my car and leave well this girl ended up being completely like naked right grabbing a knife to stop yell and scream that she's gonna stab herself if I walk out the door oh my God, and ended up me walking outside and she's laying in the at night in her driveway collapsed to the floor bawling her eyes out oh naked God, in dude. the driveway That's so, so I mean yeah I, I mean so I had to say psycho but you know at very that unstable. instance unstable. it's very very unstable and a very unhealthy relationship that I've been through um but I don't think I've ever had really any instances where I was completely embarrassed. I think I've always just done a good job at being reserved and not, you know, putting myself in an instance where I come off as that weird dude. Right. (laughs) You know, the only time it's ever really awkward is when you are like the third wheel or the fifth wheel and you're with a group of friends, you know, but sometimes that works out for you when you go out. Um, Definitely. Maybe a little hint, maybe a little another little side note here is um, if you got a very attractive friend and they're just a really good friend of yours take them out man yeah okay because they're gonna it's happened i've used it they've they find another girl that you find attractive you just point it out they'll go up they'll all go to the bar sit next to them get to know them and then you walk in like hey where'd you go oh by the way this is this is my friend tom (laughs) you know and hey this is this is this girl i just met and i'm like sweet Nice to meet you. And then you start talking and it works out. It's just smooth. And I think that a lot of that is just being able to keep it smooth and finding a way where it's not going to be awkward or weird. <laughs> Don't be that guy. <laughs> or just download Tinder. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've deleted Tinder. I, that actually was kind of a messed up thing that, that I went through. I was talking to this girl, Tiffany. She was, she was a nice... Beautiful blonde. Yeah. Tinder has definitely Beautiful led me down blonde. some
1: random roads. Well <laughs> some good, some bad.
2: I've never I've never met up with a Tinder girl. I have some Snapchat friends that are Tinder girls that have hit me up. But <laughs> as far as Tinder goes, guys, I mean you can pursue it Watch if you out. want, however it works. But I know that I was talking to a girl and for some reason I was single for so long. Yeah. And I go into her house, I'm in her bed at four AM in the morning, awake with her And I roll over to check my Tinder and she sees it. And the next thing I know, I'm taking an Uber ride home that's 30 minutes away. So, you know, I was more, I was still in that single like mindset. The the Tinder really killed one of those relationships for me. That could have gone, could have gone somewhere. I guess um, you'll never know. I guess not. <laughs> That's done and over with. I what that girl's doing right now. <laughs> I'm not too concerned. <laughs> she was bad for business. <laughs> it was nothing personal. She's a penny stock. <laughs> She's a penny stock. I see no growth opportunities. No, you shorted that. You shorted that and you won. I shorted the shit out of that.
0: <laughs> so, Tom, do, um, what are some of the cool spots that you've been to in, in Baltimore so far? Like, where's you know, where have you found to be, like, a pretty, like, you know, fun like parts of town, because a lot of people that don't know Baltimore sort of talk shit about Baltimore. Like, there's nothing to do or there's no cool people there. But are they based it on okay. like the news? Right, like, yeah. Whoa, well, you live
1: in Baltimore? Wouldn't it? Or, cool? And then oh, again, fine, so third,
0: <laughs> third wire reference, a lot of people are like, they think Baltimore's like the wire. Right. And yeah, like, there's some bad neighborhoods in Baltimore, but I think a lot of people that aren't from Baltimore don't know that there's a lot of cool parts of town, like Fells Point, Canton, Fed Hill. Where there's a lot of like young people that you know are pretty sociable and like to have fun, Absolutely. but uh, what are your favorite spots? Whether they're you know parts of town or maybe specific bars that
2: that you've found to be really fun. Well, here I'll give you the first one. The first time I ever went out down here in Baltimore was we went to Townsend, and we went up to the, the Green Turtle.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And
2: I was, I was, dude. It was, it was a little chilly. I, I don't know. I think it might have been in like. And uh, land of October right. around that time yeah. frame, so it was pretty chilly out. But I was like, man, this is sick. Walking up three <laughs> floors in a building, getting on a rooftop, and everyone's just raging. <laughs> Townsend's a really good intro that, to yeah. someone. Down the at town. the Green yeah. Turtle or so at Townsend. Yeah, I know. And then and also. Even the movie theater in Townsend blew my mind. I was walking in there there like it was a mall. They just built it. You know, yeah, because exactly. down when I'm in Providence, I'm like, you know, it's sick. it's nice in Providence. You know, it's quaint. We got a big, big mall. But it's like everything in Townsend was like times 10 of whatever Providence could ever be. Yeah. You know, it's it's like it was like the home of the billionaires. That's kinda of how I felt. Right. You know, and those types of types of stuff that they can create in the down here, it's pretty awesome. What's crazy
1: is that my grandfather had, was instrumental in making Towson what it is today. <laughs> really? That's why most of my family is here because uh he was the dean of business at U of D is in that Detroit. Like
0: Sam, right? Yeah, Sam, yeah. Yeah, I remember, nice. you, I think, I remember that. Yeah, you remember that uh, um remember his you pictures
1: hanging up in Stephen at Stevens Hall, uh in Towson. But yeah, so what happened, it was a state school. It was a teacher's college. He got the job Plus as the dean state, in like yeah. 80, 83 or 84, and then um, fired everybody, hired, <laughs> hired PhDs, hired real professional professors, um, got it accredited as a university, and then and then from there, the money started pouring in. But <laughs> here, and now Towson yeah. is, like, is probably, I mean, if he was alive today, I think he'd be very proud of, of, of what it turned into. I that's think awesome. um, he was very stressed out a lot. I think that's what killed him early. It was because really. of how much stress it put on him, because it was like a lot. He was barely home. He was like constantly giving his all to that school, but it it helped pave the way for what it is now.
2: But so. also, like just being in Fell's Point last night was also really sick. I, I've I've gotten to get down there a little bit, and anyone that says that there's nothing to do in Baltimore is just ignorant and. <laughs> And they it, probably it just hates haven't their life. spent much time they around it, haven't you know. They <laughs> haven't. They haven't <laughs> but been. But there able are to some people that they, they talk shit about Baltimore that I, I think is like I think they can talk. They can talk you know, like, all they want, dude. <clears throat> yeah. Being be, from going from a place like Rhode Island, where I'm telling you, stuff goes on in Rhode Island, but there are nights where you sit there and you're like, there's just nothing to do here. Right. And I feel like. I feel like I could come out here in Baltimore, and I could always find something to do. Always something to do. Always something to do. Absolutely. Or go find that's even if it's not new, you know. It's or just going to be in
1: Baltimore City. Yeah, you know, you know there's so many always, little pockets. There's there's Columbia as a whole world, DC. I've been Montgomery I've been County. near
2: DC, and the D, like when we do for work, we go down to Hyattsville, Capital Hyatt. Yeah. dude, I haven't checked out the monuments yet. I still got to do that. Yeah, you know, I still I still have so much I want to check out. Want to here. From
0: America's melting pot. Right, that's you know? what I'm saying, man. It's actually, I mean it's it's a cool area because, like you guys were saying, you got D.C. basically, you're right down the street, and then if you want to go to Philly or New York, it's you know you yeah. can drive there, it's drive, not, just hours a few or hours. jump on a bus, yeah. So it's a, it's you know in terms of a social scene, you know Baltimore, I think is sort of underrated, but um, the whole region I think is is uh, pretty cool. Lots of things to do, lots of places to go.
2: I mean, I've been down to you know areas in Florida where the scene is similar. You know, here in Baltimore, like Fell's Point, or go over at the Green Turtle in Townsend. Uh, you go down to Delray and Boca and Florida, man, and it's the same life, okay. But the only problem is, you get a lot of uh, girls down there looking for some guys that just have money in their pockets, right? Right. So uh, yeah, that's probably like about Baltimore. It's, there, it's not. It's not. It's that. not. It's more
1: blue collar. I mean, there's some. There's some like high level you know, people down, even in the city
0: that like,
2: no, but yeah, it's more college, college life in Townsend and then blue collar, blue collar. Yeah. In, in Baltimore, yeah. but yeah. they know how to party, man.
0: Yeah. Fell's point, especially fed Hill is going to be a lot of like, you know, postgraduate, you know, or post-college, you know, kids like maybe working their first job or, you know, um, maybe a few years out of college, but they still like to go out and have a good time. Um, sometimes like Fel- or fed Hill can get a little crazy, um, I was talking yeah. to my friend Tony, and he actually doesn't like to go out and fed because a lot, a lot of times, you know, you'll get into fights with people. I or know. see a lot of fights. Yeah. And I've totally seen a Yeah, one time I met up with a couple of, I think it was you guys, I met up with uh, some of the guys in The Fools, and um, there was some kid that was in law school, like, getting beat by cops because he apparently maybe threw punches or was yelling at him or something. I don't know. But people I got are, there right as he was getting subdued and it was yeah. it looked pretty uh pretty nasty. Yeah, what people was are going noticeably
1: on. more belligerent. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And Fed. Yeah, but it but it's still it's still pretty cool. Um Fell's Point's more Fell's Point and Canton. I, like Tony, my friend again, is sorta of turned me on to Canton. Um I think it's a little bit, you know, maybe a <laughs> tad like older than than Fed. It's more seasoned. But yeah, but yeah. more laid back, more yeah. chill, more friendly. So I I think I might try to start going out there uh, a little bit more when I have the chance. But um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of cool spots around town. to to And I tell
2: you what, it was the first time for me the other day going to Camden Park. Oh yeah, yeah, Memorial Park. Yeah, that was an absolute. That was amazing. Yeah, it was a great time. I hate to say it, guys. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm a Celtics fan. I'm a Bruins fan. I'm all New Englander up here, but. Coming down here and coming to Camden Park, that's a pretty sick stadium, and I, I you got to appreciate that. Same architect as Fenway. God, and their beef is so good. I know I love the beef. <laughs> that beef. That what was it. The uh, the big Boog? Yeah, Boogs? big yeah, Boog, uh, Boog pals yeah. barbecue. Yeah. Oh man, I didn't. I haven't inhaled so much meat at one time in <laughs> my life. That that, sounds, that could sound bad, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's the same setup as Fenway. It's just uh, what well, I what I Saturday I've actually night. never been in able to watch a Red Sox game in Fenway Park and here I am a big Red Sox fan my whole life. I've ran around Well those
1: ticket prices are like astronomical aren't they? Oh
2: yeah absolutely. But then again, you know, you could probably get some stand up seats over there for 40 bucks or something Absolutely, like yeah. that. But coming out here to Camden, dude, seeing the stadium, just so no. Sick. Even my dad was telling me, dude, that stadium is awesome. That'd be sick if you checked it out and saw a game. And I did, finally. Finally yeah. was able to enjoy that. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's one of the best parks. Like, I've, I
0: haven't, honestly, I've only been to Oriole Park at Camden Yards and uh, the National Stadium. Uh-huh. That's it. I'm, uh, I'm going to be going to see a game at Dodgers Stadium this week when I fly out to
2: LA. Uh, so that'll be just the third stadium I've ever seen a game in. Wow, but Surprised uh, by that. Camden Park yeah. is really unique. I mean, I've been to Kansas City Royal Stadium down in Kansas, and and you know that's sick, but not I don't think anything really compares. You guys really like to, America to I can't.
0: It America looks, complex, yeah, it work. looks like a like it's a. It's awesome.
2: It's a similar, a somewhat similar kind of
0: architecture. Yeah, it is. I think it was like it was built maybe a few years after yeah, Camden. Yeah, right Yards. around the same time. Yeah, yeah, maybe like I think around. That was 2000 a big deal. They, they, yeah. when,
1: they, when they tore down the old Tiger Stadium, that was like. You know it was like monumental and for a while it was just abandoned so like, yeah. you'd be able to go in there and like there would be like tons of videos like tons of music video shot i mean all over detroit tons mm-hmm. of music videos tons of stuff but you'd be able to, it's crazy going to to some of these um, buildings because like there's still to this day like huge commercial buildings that haven't been torn down yet that were like national landmarks at one point wow and like tiger stadium was one of those um there was uh you know the the grand central station that was there it was like a huge train station huge just massive and it's like abandoned it's like just sitting there cool falling apart
0: (laughs) yeah i would love to see a a game it's awesome Yeah,
1: they're fucking awesome too i mean the tigers are really damn good yeah they're i mean they're obviously they're like in our division kind of yeah so they're kind of a rival but
0: yeah that's Mm -hmm. cool um well yeah i guess that's uh, probably a good point to uh to stop, you know, we've been talking about um, a little bit about relationships, a little bit about, you know, going out, um, you know, talking to girls, I guess. But, you know, Tom, thanks a lot for giving us your input and your impressions so far. And, yeah, you know, best probably, of man. luck, you know, uh, going out. We'll probably go out a little bit more often together and,
2: you know, see what's going on. Get to know a few more a few more friends that yeah. I can yeah. uh, just be able to connect with when I come down to Baltimore. it's just a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming back and forth, you never know what can happen, you know. So... Cool. All right, man.
0: All right, guys, we're back. This is the Dudes Abide Podcast. We have our guest for this week's episode. Uh, his name's Ben Strang. He's a director. He's got his own production company out in L.A. What's up, Ben?
1: How's it going, guys? What's up, dude?
0: Yeah, so I'm here with Nick and Tom, and um, yeah, so Nick actually knows you. Um, you know, We've done a conference call together. We've talked about maybe doing a music video with you, and um, Tom has not met you yet, but, uh, you know, Tom's going to have a couple <laughs> questions for you, hopefully. Um, but yeah, Ben, if you could just tell everybody listening, um, you know, what exactly you do, uh, with your production company and what you're doing in LA.
4: What do I do? Um, well, my company is called blueprint. Uh, it's a commercial music video production house, um, in Hollywood. And I am a commercial director, I guess, my day job. And, uh, yeah, that's,
0: that's the, the quick and victory. Cool. And, um, you've also done a couple music videos, right? Yep. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about them? Like who've you worked with so far? Um, you know, what kind of music you, you gravitate towards in terms of who you work with and then also like what you favor in terms of the visuals, like what, what kind of music mm-hmm. or styles mesh the most with, with your, with your style?
4: Sure. Um, well, I've kind of, kind of ironically, I've said in the last couple of years that I really don't shake down music video uh, projects. Um, I always find myself on music video projects that kind of happen to be um, and that, that just kind of come about. Uh, probably the main reason for that is that the music video business is is a interesting one. Um, to, to be in as a director, and so I've always just preferred working on a on, on incredible projects with friends and you know musicians that I've met or or really have a vested interest in their career um, and and can be a part of what they're trying to do. But artists I've worked with, uh, the first video I did ever was for a band, a ska band, in Richmond, Virginia, and. Uh, that was, Actually, was that the first video? Yeah, that was. That was probably six years ago. And uh, I did some cool stuff in the last two years. I did a, a video with a San Diego rock band, um, a guy named Jason Weber. And following that, I did a video for EDM artist Oliver Heldens. That was called Koala. And uh, I actually just recently finished a project for a pretty cool like new age rocker guy named Jared James Nichols. And he's got a a new album out called Old Glory and the Wild Revival, so that's been the
0: that's been the high level. Cool. Like so, from any of those like three videos or artists that you mentioned, do you have any sort of interesting stories? Um, whether it's you know on the shoot, <laughs> like m- maybe maybe something that happened on the shoot that's either funny or um, that you might have been sweating for a while, like you were worried about it affecting the okay. shoot or so it made some, something notable that, that you think would be a cool story that you either like, you know, laugh about it now but maybe at the time you were worried about it or found it funny or, you know, any any cool story that you can share with us.
4: Let me see. Um, well, I'll tell you. Let's see. Let me go beat by beat here. Uh, so that's something cool from each one. First video I did that was like a real music video at least in, in my concept at the time was when I was 16 or 17, I guess 17, and uh, we were shooting it in Richmond, Virginia, and it was like a small crew. There were probably five crew in the band, um, and somebody on set asked me if <laughs> I wanted a latte, and I just thought it was—I mean, me, me there shooting the video as a 17-year-old, I was laughing to myself that like that was that was, that Hollywood thing was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's pretty but, cool. Um,
4: <laughs> that that was uh, that that was the that was the beginning of it, and then so this one this one for the San Diego guy, Jason. However, that video was done in in what ended up seeming like by design to be a, a single shot. So the process of doing a single shot video requires a lot of takes, and um, we had a particularly challenging setup. Challenging setup. We had built a stage apartment set and over the course of the three minute video throughout the single shot the apartment was supposed to break down and change interior settings so like while the camera is looking the other way and moving through one space the apartment set is changing off screen so that set was a that was a two-day shoot and we had four shots that were eventually stitched together into the into the single shot and all things considered at the end of the two day shoot, uh, we had like hundred and thirty takes, I think. Um, and it was it was it was pretty outrageous. And I think we did that video for like under under four thousand dollars. It was uh it was it was a lot. It was a lot. It was it was fun though. And then this uh this Oliver Helden video, we uh, shot a 1900s I guess 1800s period Japanese samurai theme uh, video at a famous restaurant in Hollywood here called Beyond the Zero and uh, the undertaking of this video was pretty insane it was a single night shoot and we did between 45 and 50 shots a fight scene um, a night exterior which for anybody who's Done video before is just a ridiculous um, increase in the amount of uh, production elements that you need just to just to light up a nighttime exterior. And so, uh, yeah, that was. I mean, it was it was a it was a crazy day. and I ended up not sleeping for 48 hours. So, damn.
0: So, and some that's... people
4: can go. Some people can go a week without sleep. I am not one of them, but.
0: Yeah, that's the, that, the, the Koala video is super awesome in terms of you know, the, <laughs> the visuals and um, the editing and everything and you know for, for anyone that hasn't seen it um, definitely look it up on YouTube it's got almost two million views um, and it's an expertly well done video um, so c- yeah congratulations on it like that's you know, um, you know I, I sort of met you through my little brother Nick um, he's friends with your little brother And, um, so Nick sort of, uh, told me about you. And so I, I looked into that video and, and I was like, wow, like, this is such an awesome video. Let me, let me talk to see if Ben will talk to me. And so, um, that's how we originally started talking, but, um, but yeah, um,
1: (laughs) Hey, so I have a question, Nick here. What's going on, man? (laughs) How's it going, Nick? So, uh, I grew up in the MTV age, right? And, um, music videos, were constantly on rotation after school um so my question i guess to you would be how how do you feel like the business or the, the world of music videos has changed since like early 2000s or like mid 90s where these videos were like heavy production heavy storylines uh like j- just people con- like mtv wasn't reality shows it was music videos how do you feel like the, the yeah. business has come, uh, or how, how has it evolved since those those periods of time?
4: Um, you know, probably the best commentary I can give you on that is is a high level one. Uh, I haven't been in the game, you know, boots on the ground for all that all, all too long. What's basically happened, as far as I as far as I can see, is there's been not just a steady change, kind of a fluctuation in that in that '90s era which was the uh, propaganda content, which was one of the big production companies where uh, legendarily David Fincher got his start. What was happening there is that you had all this director talent and a new, basically, medium that um, top directors and, and creators weren't really flexing creative muscles in yet. So you had all these big shots coming into a new genre and basically just bringing out some really ridiculous stuff for TV, some really ridiculous productions for what was essentially a very little watched television program on TV. Um, As that progressed, I guess you'd say, over the course of the 90s, that just increased for like 10 years um, to the point where people were doing multi multi multi-million dollar music videos um, which is really rarely done these days. I mean, you, Cisco.
1: See,
4: <clears throat> you see, you the art artists as big as like, you know, Drake doing videos for under hundred K, um, which kind of apples to apples back then would have never happened. What do you think so, the budget?
1: Anyways, so, sorry to cut you off. What do you that, think the budget was for like a Blink One Eighty Two video, like at the peak?
4: A Blink One Eighty Two video, um, it's hard to say, and I, I honestly couldn't even tell you today because and this is one another good thing to note on the topic is that what happens what can happen a lot in music videos is that the money doesn't go on screen so it's really being spent on um client services basically for the artists and the whole label team oh, that's so <laughs> for instance i know that the uh the Katy perry roar video was way off above 500k um and don't quote me on that, but she's I'm a diva. I wouldn't sure. put it past her. It, it was up there. <laughs> yeah. That that video, though. I mean, it's it's a big it's a big production, but it's it's all on a stage, and uh, they're basically taking one set element and just blowing it out of proportion. So you see that a lot. You see people um, simplifying concepts. I think a lot more these days, and then the videos that get the real creative work behind them, you probably often find in the lower budget ranges. Um, that's where I think someone like me is going to, to put a stamp on something. Um, you know, a younger director who's, I guess, really trying to step out with something. Um, and it's, uh, it's a little bit of a different game at that lower budget level because there's a lot of competition just for the creative idea itself. Um, a lot, I'm not going to say a lot of competition, a lot more competition. Um, Basically what happens is that you have a bunch of directors pitching to the label or the artist or the manager or what have you. And what I've seen is that a lot of times the most insane, barely producible idea gets picked and you find the production team in a, uh, in like a frenzy to produce this, fairly producible music video concept. And on top of that, it's on low budget. And so it, it sometimes just comes down to be kind of like film school. I mean, you got like a five-person crew shooting music video for Cia or something, you know? Um, so if that's any kind of indication of how the approach has changed since the old days, uh, the old days 20-some years ago, I think that the main reasoning behind it is that uh a lot more people make movies now by i don't know how many fold but it's got to be a lot and that uh that huge increase in the number of directors that there are who are employable for music videos is just just makes it a a competitive job um which getting back to it is why i don't spend a ton of time chasing down uh, music video projects and i know guys um out here who have done some really, really big music videos, um, in like the, you know, A-list artists, hundreds of millions of hits, and they're just done with it. Yeah. (laughs) They're, they, they they just get sick of it, um, after a little while and they start getting into commercials and more narrative stuff. But anyway, that that answers the question. Um, what little I know about the, uh, the actual history of it.
2: Hey Ben, it's uh, Tom here. I never got the pleasure of meeting you, but uh, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I mean, you're out there surviving. Out, What is it, out in L.A., right? Yep. Okay, awesome. I've never been there, so, okay. I hope to get out there <laughs> at some point. Maybe you can let me know Very how bad. it is. But uh, I just kind of wanted to ask you... You know, you got a you got a view, uh, two million views on YouTube for this video, and it seems like you, from what I've heard that you started at kind of a younger age, and that's pretty impressive in my head. I can't imagine trying to get a million views on YouTube. That's awesome. But what are some of the things that you're working on now or that you have a passion about that you're trying to pursue? Like, what are some of your goals for yourself in the next couple of years or like, maybe even a project that you're trying to work and pull together right now, you know? That's
4: a good question. Um... Well, okay, how do I answer this succinctly? <laughs> um, my work has transitioned a lot in the last year and a half to commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, Blueprint, I really brand as a commercial production company, um, and pretty pretty specifically that.
2: Okay. There
4: are a lot of com- commercial production companies out there, so it's important for a small one, albeit a very small one like my own, um, to just differentiate style of content, and um, really the way that the company works with other companies. So I'm really focusing right now on building my own personal reel and my own um, process for everything that my company does in commercial production that will make us stand out. And I started the company because I just had worked with and seen a lot of other companies' work um, in ways that I just didn't like, and it seemed to me to be the only way that I was gonna, I guess, have my cake and eat it too. Yeah, was to start my own company, um, which is an uphill battle for sure, but it's it's a super fun one. And in the next year or so, um, I'm looking to do. It's 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 a hard project to describe. It's a basically a web series that comes on an app with a game built in. So uh, we're calling it a grassroots uh, media franchise, but basically it's like a, it's like a digital series um, built into an app basically. Okay. So that is, that's kind of launching over the next 18 months. And that's a tremendous feat. That's way more production intensive than anything I've done um, so far, but,
2: those are the fun ones. <laughs> Sweet. Are there, like, now your company, are they tailored to, like, certain commercials that they do? Uh, I mean, I see Olay commercials. I think of the TV. I see, uh, you know, the stuff for DirecTV. Like, is there a certain genre, kind of like music, that you, your commercials, like, are tailored to or what your company looks for or what you're developing? So,
4: yeah, there definitely is. Right now... Um, it's really just tailored to my directing style, okay.
0: um,
4: which I think is just really, really kind of emotion-based and aspirational tone-based. Um, so, given that uh, I direct a lot of the stuff that we do, um, it it starts to boil down to that when you put it on paper. But that's, that's the kind of stuff that I look for, too. Um, I look for Brands that just have a have a unique way of thinking about themselves and trying to advertise is a is a pretty incredible process. Just
2: so being able it, to portray always, it, right?
4: It's always great yeah. to work with
0: people like that. Okay, cool, Ben. It's Fernando again. Um, so something I, I've I've asked you a little bit before, but um, you know, for anyone that's not familiar with you or your work, um, how did you originally? How did your interest in film start? Um, Was there a specific, you know, movie or TV show that inspired you? And then can you explain um, or or tell us the story behind how you actually decided to get into (laughs) directing and pursue it as a career?
4: Let's see. Um, I thought about this a lot, actually. Before I went to film school in a couple years, when was that, 2012. Um, Before I went to film school, they told me that I would need to know the answer to this question and so I spent literally all summer trying to think of something to say and it turns out I got there and nobody knew the answer to this question and nobody even had a favorite film so I spent all summer in a long plane ride uh, stressing over that for nothing but okay <laughs> the the answer to the question is when I was 16 no, I must, must have been 14 um, my mom and dad got me a movie called The Matrix Reloaded, which is the second film in the Matrix series. Mm-hmm. And there was a behind the scenes documentary uh, at the back of the movie. And they showed how the film produced this chase scene, which is just this massive, massive motorcycle car chase which has become pretty legendary because they drive a bike backwards through traffic, through ongoing traffic. And um, I saw that and I was just like, it's like, man, that's like, that's intense. I mean, it, it was, they shot for months to capture this, like, 10-minute chasing. And uh, I don't know, I was, just, I was just kind of swooned by, like, the industry and technology and, I guess, team involvement that went into creating something that was ultimately artistically really cool. Uh, and at that time, I had been... Um, I had been doing a lot of photography. And a lot of my photography work, I guess I realized in that moment, I'm gonna stop real quick, I'm getting in the car. Um, <laughs> a lot of my photography work to that time, I was just into capturing things that I didn't think could otherwise be captured. So I did a lot of sports photography, um, football, action sports. And I was always just really into like, getting that one moment that if I didn't get it, nobody else would ever see it, and um, I hadn't thought about film, about motion picture, this hadn't dawned on me, I'd been doing photography since I was like 10, and then maybe a little bit before that, I actually started doing cartooning and animation, so all those things compiled together, and then that, I guess that first year of high school, I saw that, that uh, documentary, and I was like, holy shit, this is, this is, this is the thing. And so I tried, to make a, uh, I tried to make an action film, an uh, action film with a chase scene in it, and uh, did that, that.
0: Do you that still was have it? Beginning. Do you still have that action film?
4: I do still have it for my own
0: eyes. <laughs> yeah, so that would be, I'd, I'd like to see that. I imagine there's some funny parts to it. One, one of my best friends in high school, like he and a few of my friends uh, actually made like a Star Trek film. And they still have like VHS copies of it, and we still laugh about it because it's it's you know quite frankly like it's impressive that they did it, but it's sort of terrible in, in, a, in like you know, a cool way you know like
4: i I'd like to think that that's just like a part of it I mean I, by no means when I, when I first had a video camera um, the first the first video film, whatever you want to call it that I ever made, and it just dawned on me recently that I was Like the first thing I was doing that I was really into was, like, gags, like, almost like magic on camera. So the the first video I ever made was with my friend Dan. And we lived in kind of a suburban, rural neighborhood. And so we, we had the camera. I had the camera on my side of the street, low down at the ground level. And then Dan was on the far side of the street. And basically the camera was looking straight across the ground so that the ground was, like, at eye level. Dan's jumping up and down. Waving to me, and then a car drives by, and we timed it just right so that Dan dives forward um, or dives left in the frame, right as the car goes by, right to the left, and it looks like the car hit him and, and ran him over because it's you know the, the image is flattened out. So that <laughs> I, I by no means making movies for a, a little while, but I we, we were just like fascinated and in, in making those tricks on camera, and then when we figured out that you could. Record something and then play it backwards and uh, make make yourself look like you're, you know, if you if you jump off of something high backwards and then play it in reverse, it makes it look like you're leaping ten <laughs> feet in the air. Um, so <laughs> that was like the first summer I ever had a had a video camera.
1: But I have a question. You probably get this a lot. Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction?
4: <laughs> oh God. Um,
1: you have three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Two go and, and you I'm just kidding. Go. I'm
0: sorry. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna
4: go with pulp fiction. I think it's just Ding
0: ding ding! I that's know. the right answer.
2: <laughs>
0: Is are you are you a huge Tarantino fan or or uh, you're not all about him? Like I'm, I'm, always interested to to hear what other you know people in the industry think about him because obviously as as fans you know most people revere him. But what are your thoughts on uh, I have, Tarantino? I have a lot of. A lot of respect and intrigue about uh, Quentin Tarantino. I don't get a lot of influence
4: from him uh, stylistically, but definitely one to be one to be reckoned
0: with. Cool, awesome, well, yeah, Ben. Uh, thanks so much for your time. We're gonna let you uh, get going because it sounds like you're jumping in the car. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we really appreciate you calling us and uh, and sharing some of your time and your thoughts. And um, if you could also just uh, let everybody know where they can find your production company and maybe contact you if they, you know, need a commercial shot or a music video shot.
4: Yeah, sure. Uh, well, okay. first, thanks for having you guys. Uh, this is awesome,
0: and looking forward to checking out the podcast. You're uh, awesome, dude. Uh, I love Blueprint, you. <laughs> Blueprint Blueprint's website is uh, Um
4: and you can find all the work on there. If you want to check it out... And- um, I do
2: work in L.A. and
4: Washington, D.C., um, and travel stuff all around.
0: So, Cool. look forward to talking to right. you guys soon. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate right. it, and hopefully I'll see you uh, this upcoming week in L.A. Okay. Yeah.
2: Thank all you, guys. Ben. Right. Later, Take care, dude. Ben. See you, Ben.
0: Peace. Bye. All right, guys. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks to Nick and Tom for joining us this week. Uh, in terms of the songs that you heard tonight— the opening song was "This Charming Man" by the Smiths, and then our closing song is going to be an educated fool song. Uh, Nick, if you could tell us a little bit about it. Yeah,
1: it's called cool. "I've Been Drinking," and um, when you listen to it, I think you'll pretty much figure out what it's about. Uh, just things that happen and go on when you're partying super hard, and you, uh, you're an educated fool, and you just you, your your true self comes out. You know, well, when you're wasted. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, yeah, great. Yeah. it And uh, yeah. Just enjoying, enjoying life, man. Just
0: having fun. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, Nick and Tom, thanks again. And uh, thank you hopefully, for having thank you. Us. yeah, no problem. Thank and you uh, very hope much. that you guys come back on uh, soon. But uh, Absolutely. Yeah, until next episode, uh, where the dudes abide. Uh, thanks for joining us, and enjoy. I've been drinking. Dudes. Peace.
3: I don't know what kind of shit that you've been token All I know is this pistol smoking and these ashes paint some lonely freaking road. Oh, oh, it all ends the same. It's lame that it takes seeing you with him to drown me, to drain this main drain flush every memory, memory to sewers full of shame and envy. Wash my sins away with prescription strength, lady marmalade. The only medication seems to cool my brain We both take pages on the same order. You see now things done change Need a lighter for my cigarette I've lost my brain Now I'm drinking to forget All the things that I've done All the people that I've met All the bridges that I've burned There is no turning back There's no telling what I'm doing Never know which way I'm moving Escaping my reality I feel it through that music Pass around that, move it, buy it, break it, cook it, shoot it now.